this morning. We want to continue. I have at least uh, so far, as I know now, a series of four on why pray. And we have, I'm not going to take the time to write it, but I'll put it down this week. We have said to you that there are four things that are necessary to successful proper prayer. We will not get into the heart of how to and so on for a while yet, but there are four areas or four things that are necessary. The Lord Jesus Christ says, come unto me, that is deliverance, salvation. He says, learn of me. He says, follow me. And he says, abide in me. Those four things are necessary areas, of course, in order to get us to the place to be in the proper attitude for prayer and so on. Last week, we preached to you about the Lord Jesus Christ saying, come unto me. The fact that his yoke is easy, all who can hear can come, and that is a prerequisite, naturally, for being able to pray and uh, to have a proper prayer life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, Holy Spirit at times, and so on. And we said to you that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are vital when it comes to being able to practice a proper prayer life. This morning we're going to use Matthew 11, 28, and 30 again as our scripture text. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. And he says, Come unto me, all ye, plural, ye, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that you have given it, spoken it to men at the beginning of time, as far as we know it, that you have preserved it and given it that those you chose might write under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. We might have it today that it's not lost, that we can rely upon it, that we can gain instruction and blessing and comfort and all the other things that are ours in the scripture. We thank you for your word. Send it forth to accomplish that which you would this morning in our hearts and minds. Give us hearing ears, understanding hearts. Block out those things that surround us, Father, the world and its cares. Enable us to concentrate upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his loveliness. In whose name we ask these things. Amen. Now, as we said, those four things... Today we want to speak about the second, and that is, learn of me. And I've taken that as a text which I sometimes do, my favorite preaching, it's expository preaching, expounding the word, opening it up, and then applying it, but occasionally we use a text. And today we're going to do that because of the subject that we're speaking about. And so those words right there, when he says, learn of me, what exactly does it mean? Well, the word learn means to increase in knowledge, and to do that by inquiry and observation. And we're speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ himself, not just about him. We can do that. You can go down and buy books, and you can find things about Christ. There are people today who know a great deal about the Lord Jesus Christ, but to know him is something a little bit different. And he says here that we are to learn of him. He says and learn of me. So increase in knowledge about me, inquire, observe me, myself, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, of course, that little word of means concerning every possible aspect. Of can be translated in many different ways. I don't have time to go into that today. If you have a Vines expository or some other uh, Greek help, it will show you that. But here when he says learn, he says inquire, observe, learn of me, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every aspect possible. When he says me, he's talking about himself. He's talking about being Savior and Deliverer. And indeed he is. He hung and bled on that cross. He delivered those who will believe. Who have, who do, who shall yet, before the end of all things. Even during the tribulation period. And he has delivered them positionally from the law of sin and death. What does the law say? It says the soul of Kenneth, it shall die. So then everyone would die. The Lord Jesus Christ says that he has taken our place. He hung and bled and died upon the cross, taking our place. And that little song was running through my mind this morning. I should have been crucified. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. I should have suffered and bled and died. And every time I think of that, the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, took my place, makes you wonder why. Who am I that God is mindful of me? We're talking about not only Savior and Deliverer, but he's provider. He is the one from whom we draw all our sustenance, and he wants us to learn that, and we'll see that as we study him in the Scriptures. The fact that he is the provider, not only of eternal life, when he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life, but he's also provider because he supplies all our needs. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's not just money and provision. That's everything that we have need of. And then also he's advocate. He's intercessor. He argues for us. He intercedes for us. So when we learn of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, learn of me, we're learning about him in all those aspects. He's our pattern. After all, the scripture tells us that we're being conformed to his image. And we are to walk the way that he walked. We are to do the things that he has laid down for us. Now that doesn't mean that we become people that are, are greatly, well, pious. And we walk around and we say, I'm so glad that I'm better than these other folks here. But for the grace of God, I would be exactly the same as they are. I would be a Pharisee, and we have some of those in places today. But he says, learn of me. He's our elder brother. He's the firstborn among the dead. He's the first one, the power of God, to be raised from the dead. Because he lives, we live. That should give us a great deal of comfort and assurance and blessing. When he says, learn of me, we'll find in the scripture as we learn of him that he is our friend, the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's not just God who hangs on the cross, that is a crucifix or whatever. He's not just a statue or an icon or someone that we cannot approach. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's one that we can walk with and talk with, and I've done that many times. He's not only that, but he's the creator. A lot of people don't like to think about that. They say, well, God created the earth. Yes, but the Lord Jesus Christ was there in the beginning was the Word. Nothing was created without him. He was there through all of that. He's the Logos. He's the mouthpiece of God. And so he's not only creator, but he's beginning and end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. You know, for you and I, everything has a beginning and end. Uh, pretty soon, 54 years ago, my mother gave birth to me. With some difficulty, I was a breach, 
And uh, at any rate, that those years have passed quickly, and the time will come when the Lord will take me one of these days, whether it's before what people say, well, he went before his time. No, I won't go before my time. I'll go when the proper time comes. And that will be the end of my earthly life. I won't be dead. I'll be more alive then than you see me now. But there's a beginning and ending. We know that the service starts at approximately 10 o'clock and ends at approximately 11, 11.10, something like that, 11.50, whatever the case might be. We know that we buy an automobile. It's only going to last so long. There's an end to it. When we get so much out of something, we buy anything or do anything, there's a beginning and an end. And so, for our sakes, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that he is the beginning and the end, and yet he had no beginning and he had no ending because God is eternal, more than you and I can grasp. And finally, in the scriptures, we'll find that he sustains us. He's the one that helps us. Yes, the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside, he's the paraclete and so on. But the Lord Jesus Christ himself is also the sustainer. He's the one that gives us that peace and that comfort and that assurance and that ability to do and so on as his spirit guides and directs us. Well, those are just a few of the things. So when he says, learn of me, and we need to do that in order because the word of God is closely connected with prayer that's successful. We need the word of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the second of these four things, learn of me, is extremely important. How do we learn of Christ? Then we learn of Christ through the Word, first and foremost. I picked up my new Bible, the one I've had for a long time. I'm afraid it's falling apart, but I think it's the one I first started to preach with. and It's very delicate, but we can still see the print in it, and that's the main thing. And it says, learn of Christ through what? Through the Word, through this, through the Bible, the Word of God. Not the Quran, not the Bhagavad Gita and all of the other holy supposedly books upon the face of the earth. They're not. The Bible is. You say, well, well, how can you prove that? You don't have to. It's taken by faith. I know it's the Word of God. And I wouldn't venture to take the time this morning to bring proofs of them to say this is the place. The Bible is filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he's the main purpose. He is the center of the Scripture. You know, some folks say, well, the Old Testament, that's Old Testament times. We live in the New Testament. We pay more attention to that. I try to preach out of both, though. Sometimes I get a little bit lopsided. But the Lord Jesus Christ is there throughout the entire Scripture. He's from the very beginning in Genesis. And when God said, let us, the plural there, what's he talking about? The three in one. Elohim, he's talking about let us. God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three men in our image and do the other things that he did. And so Jesus is there all the way. You say, where is Jesus in the Old Testament? Could you show me some places? Absolutely. You say, well, how could he be alive and do that before he came in the body? Well, he came in the body at the appointed time when the fullness of time was come. But back in the Old Testament, there are theophanies, which is an appearance of God in some form or shape or manner, uh, a body when he doesn't have one, and more particularly Christophanies when we find the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he's the captain of the Lord's host over in Joshua 5. That's a Christophany. I think that we can go and we can find that he is one of the three strangers that came to Abraham over in Genesis 18. The Lord was one of them. And you know, the way that took or came about there in Genesis 18, it doesn't say, let me go back to that. Some people say, I wonder what it was. I heard a preacher preaching once. He said, there sat Abraham there looking out across there and he saw these three strangers coming from afar off. But listen to what the uh, scripture says. 
And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and as he sat at the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. They were there. One of them, I believe, was a Christophany, because if we read that entire chapter, we'll find the promises and the things that God says in verse 14, after he had told Abram and Sarah that they were going to have a baby, Abraham, and he said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And then what did the Lord say down in verse 17? And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? That was the fact that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course you know the story of how Abraham approached him. He said, Well now, Lord, if there be this many men that are righteous, this many, this many, this many, all the way down to ten, would you say that? And I want you to notice at the end of that in verse 33, and the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. You and I can look back and we find the fourth man in the fiery furnace. A lot of people say it wasn't Christ. I believe it was. There was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel. And you know they had the proper attitude that a saved person has. They wanted God's will to be done. And so what was it they said? If you remember the story, I don't have time to get off on some of these finer illustrations, but they were supposed to bow down when the king's music played and, and the image and so on, and they would not do that. And, of course, they had people who ran right in and told the king, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. They should be destroyed and so on. So he called them before him, and what did he say to them? He said, fine, if you do this, if you be ready and you bow down when you hear the sackcloth of salt, you know, it'll be fine. But if not... You should be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Seven times hotter, I don't know how hot that is, than what it should be. But I want you to notice the answer of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, they weren't worried. They didn't know how to answer. No, they knew. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In other words, if God saves us, he can, that's fine. If he doesn't, that's fine. What did Job say? In all the problems and troubles and difficulties that he had, he said, though he slain me, yet will I serve him. So there's some pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there are other things that we can go to. We don't have time to do that. They were tuned to God's will. They were open to do it. And what happened when they looked in the fiery furnace? There were three, four. And I believe that was an image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself there among them. Well, all right, we need to look at the word. We need to see those things. We need to find Christ and learn of him in those respects. We need to study you know, that's such a simple verse that probably everybody has memorized. I don't know. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. There's a lot to be said in that little portion right there. That needeth not be ashamed. But rightly, divide the word of truth. And we need to do that. We need to be able to understand the scripture. God will use that in prayer. When we bring all this together in the next four or the fifth message or whatever it might be on how we pray, you know, some people say, well, whatever we ask God, he'll give it, he'll give it to us. But he says, no, he said, sometimes you don't have the things that you need because, number one, you don't ask. 
And sometimes because you ask amiss and you want to waste it on your own lusts and so on. But I want you to notice, we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Well, what do we do with it? We ought to lay it up and memorize it. Now, I'm a firm believer in memorizing the Word of God. If you preach the Word of God enough over the years, you will automatically remember some of it as you go along. But an active memorization. I remember I started out by memorizing 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians and other portions. Now, Jack Van Empey says he's memorized the entire Bible. He may have. I don't know. I don't know that God expects us to do that, but as much as possible, we should. We ought to lay that up in our heart because we need that when we're praying. There are times when I will, the Spirit will bring to my mind something in the Scripture, and I'll say, Lord, you said this or this, and I believe that. And so I'm going to trust you for this particular thing. And so we need to lay it up. Psalm 119 and verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know, you be in times when you're praying, you have to come into some situation. It might be you don't have time to go aside and pray. I prayed right in the middle of fire and so on, and you begin to speak to the Lord, you bring scripture to your mind, you have memorized it, you've hidden it in your heart. So we need to lay it up and memorize it. Well, how do we treat it? How would you treat the Word of God? You know, a lot of people treat the Word of God pretty badly, but how do we or how should we treat it as Christians? Well, back in Deuteronomy, I believe, is a place that we need to see. You find it in Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. You know, a lot of people never pick up the Word of God. They never read it together as a family, and I realize sometimes that that's difficult to do, but I, everyone as a Christian ought to read it sometimes. And what are we to do with it? Well, God said some things back a long time ago in chapter 11 of Deuteronomy. And he said this, and you may look at those words if you want to. You'll find them in 18 through 21. It says, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Now the Jews took that literally. And so they put frontlets there between their eyes, phylacteries, and on their hands. You and I don't need to go that far. We need to do what it says there. We need to lay up those words in our heart that God teaches us and what we know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 19, And ye shall teach them, your children, Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. Now the Jews do that today, Orthodox Jews. I used to have a mezuzah at home, the little mezuzah goes on the door, and they will kiss it or touch it, it has a portion of scripture in it. We don't need to go to that extent. You know, uh, Brother Hobbs, I was down at his house here a while back, in the spring of the conference, he's found a Christian sign place here in Ohio someplace, and they'll make a sign for your mailbox, for your yard, for your house, or whatever that has some scripture on it. He, and I forgot the scripture portion already. It's out there on his mailbox. There's nothing wrong with that. Why do we do that? That your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. 
you and I ought to think about them when we go out and we come in. Joan and I talk about the scriptures frequently. Sometimes she's unable to read the scriptures because of medication in her eyes, no matter how big a print I get for it. She'll ask me a question. We'll sit and discuss something about the scripture. We'll ride along and do that occasionally. We need to do that. We need to discuss the scriptures, how they apply to us and apply them. At any rate, we need to lay it up and memorize it. We need to treat it in that way. What should our attitude toward the scriptures be? You know, back there in Psalm 119, where we just were, We'll go back to that again. There's a portion there I want you to see. Our attitude ought to be what verses 33 through 36 say. Now, before I read that to you, you'll find up in verse 26 or so the same outline of what I've given you. Come. Down here in verse 33, learn. On down is follow. We can find the same basic outline in the Old Testament that I'm giving you in the New. But in verse 33, our attitude, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. So what do we learn if we do all of that? We learn who he is. Through the scripture, we learn what he expects. Through the scripture, we learn how to please him, how to draw closer. And we learn more about him just simply through inquiry and observance in the word of God. What are minds filled with today? What should our minds be filled with? Well, I'll tell you what they're filled with. Mine even get some of that. Filled with trash most of the time because we live in a society now where the spirit of lawlessness is stronger and stronger and stronger. And we're coming to that time. And the Lord's going to take us away. But the people who live here during the tribulation on this earth cannot imagine what it's going to be like. You know, and, and all those things are happening. We don't realize. I'll just take a, an aside here for a second. Some years ago, when these things began to come about, the 666 and the other things, I, I would preach messages or point them out to you. Today, we hardly notice the things that are taking place as far as communications and, and as far as a chip being planted. I see where the governor of California is in agreement with some others that babies at birth ought to have a chip planted in their hand, or it could be forehead, and that would take care of all the problems that are coming up in the future generations, and it would be painless. You wouldn't have to get people who would balk and kick. It would all be done there at the hospital and all this kind of thing. Uh, some of you have gone through the ISO 9000 programs in factories and places like that. That's a conforming to the entire world. People in Europe use that now. We cannot export where I am unless we conform to those sets of principles and got so many things taking place. How many of you have a Mac card? And since the Mac card's out, what's happened to Genie and all the other things? They're going away. Mac is a credit debit card. Slowly but surely, these things are taking place. They creep up on us. We hardly realize it. Now, you and I ought to be aware and look up. Our salvation, the coming of the Lord is not far away. But even us, we become somewhat hardened to that on a day-to-day -day basis. The things that we see on TV, I'll tell you, I don't know how much TV you, you watch, but there's a lot of things that are introduced and taught through the television that we hardly realize what's taking place concerning all these things. But what, does, what should our mind be filled with? Well, here's a guideline. Back in Philippians 4 and verse 8, I'm sure it's familiar to you, or I hope it is, it simply says this. Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things are true, what is true? Everybody from the president on down the line. You can't trust anybody. You Scarsdale is not the only one you can't trust. You can't trust anybody in the world anymore. In fact, I've just gone through some problems now. The, the salesman this, who leased this car, he told me, he said, now this uses this kind of motor oil. That's all we use here. He lied. They don't do that. He told me a lot of other lies. So it's not just a used car salesman. And he was telling me that his wife goes to church, and you know, I think she goes to the Nazarene church, and said, I don't go too often. I can understand why. But anyway, he says, uh, telling me that I can trust him. Didn't work out too good. So whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, what in the world's honest in our day and time? Even among religious people who are preaching and teaching over the airways today, there's some dishonesty. Whatsoever things are just, not much justice today for God's children yet. Whatsoever things are pure, oh my goodness. What's pure in our society? The scriptures have been changed. They don't want to use the fact that a virgin conceived, say a young woman, sometimes a maiden, which doesn't mean that she's a virgin any longer. Children obey your parents. I think Hillary wrote part of that new politically correct because it's today, heed what your parents say. Well, there's a lot of difference between that and what the scripture says. It says, whatsoever things are lovely, there are a few things that are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And that's what we ought to think about. That's what we ought to occupy our minds with. Now, I guarantee you we won't do that perfectly. We all have thoughts we should not have. We think and say we're provoked by other people, we're tempted, we're a dozen different things happen. But we have a way out of that. And we need to remember that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, God tells us in Corinthians, he says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. But God is faithful, and will not suffer you to be tempted above your able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear. So he's provided for us in that way. Let's go farther. So that's what our mind should be filled with, yes. Jeremiah 10, 2 says, Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen. Well, that was for back then. He still live among heathens. Let's not learn their ways. You know, people are going in directions today and doing things that I thought would never, even in my short lifetime, never thought we'd ever see. The moral, not just moral values, but everything in our society, if you could compare it today to 1950, oh, don't think about those people, they were all stodgy and they, no, no. Everything has changed and the heathen have their way. Now, there are three other things quickly that I want to tell you. Number two, Besides the word of God, how do we learn of the Lord? Through prayer itself. The communication that we have with him. If we do that, the intimate fellowship that we have with him, we'll learn of him in that way. Just like talking to my wife, I learn a lot about her and she about me. Still, after, I don't know, 34 years, I think, coming up. 33, 34, whatever it is. But just like I talk to you, that's how I know you, and you know me. And the more we fellowship and visit, we need more fellowship in this church together in our homes and so on. The more we learn about each other, the more we learn about the Lord. We'll talk about that in a few moments. So we will be what? Conformed to his image, because that's what Romans 8.29 says. We quote Romans 8.28, but sometimes we forget to quote 8.29. Not only do all things work together for good to them who love God, who are they called according to his purpose, 
but also it tells us there, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Prayer will do that to us. God will change our will and conform us. What else? We will know him better. Paul says, oh, that I might know him in the fullness of his glory. Then we want to say that, well, like, you know, the, the hymn, I think Jenny's sung, I can't remember, someone has here in the time back, it's probably her, or I've heard it someplace else, but it says, when I come to the garden alone, all the dew is still on the roses, the voice I hear. And the end of one of those verses talks about the joy that's experienced, that no one else can experience. The joy we share is we carry there. None other has ever known. So it is. Thirdly, we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ through experience, believe it or not. You say, well, how can that be? As time goes along with what we've said to you in reading the Word and praying and following God, as we'll talk about later, we begin to experience and to learn about Him, about His ways, and we begin to uh, be conformed to Him and to His image. Does that mean we're going to be just like we can't do certain things? Don't worry about that. It's just like separation. I tell people, when you're saved, yes, we need to live, live a separate life, but if you live a life that's honoring and glorifying to God, you don't have trouble with separation. People go away from you. They don't mess with you anymore. You know, he was a nice person, but he got screwed up somewhere. He's gone off on religion, or I just, he's no fun anymore. Why not? Well, because he doesn't like to drink and run around and do all these other things that we like to do, and he just doesn't fit in anymore. That's right. You won't have to worry about it. Well, it's the same here with experience. We won't have to say, well, I've got to conform myself to the image of the Lord. I'm going to do this and not do that. God will take care of that. The Spirit of God, as he sanctifies or sets you apart, will do that. I'm going to get this last one in here, too, before I'm finished, so you'll forgive me for going over a little bit today. We learn about him and his ways, and we're told in 1 John 2, 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also, so to walk even as he walked. A lot of things to be said about all the different kinds of walk. You need that for another message. Fourth, well, I want to point out something else to you too there. You need instruction. And God has placed a preacher, teacher, or preacher and teachers, whatever the case might be. In this case, he's placed me here. And I am supposed to be helping you, guiding you and so on, teaching you as we go along what the Word of God says as you study it and learn for yourself. You know, back in 1 Samuel 9 and 27, the end of that verse, uh, they were going down to the end of the city. Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant uh, pass on before us. And the servant passed on. He said, stand thou still for a while, that I may show you the word of God. And that's what I hope that I'm doing. I'm showing you the word of God. Parts of it, at least, with whatever we're dealing with in that particular time. Now, listen, I have to have preparation as well. I can't do that without preparation. Well, preparation means you study, and not necessarily. I can sit down, I've got books on how to preach, and, and I don't follow any of those. You can probably tell that. But whatever the Lord gives me, and I try to organize that in a reasonable manner. Listen to what Ezra said in Ezra 7 and verse 10. He said, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach it, to teach Israel, statutes, and judgments. I have to do that to prepare my heart. I have to pray. I have to ask the Lord for a message. I have to study and work and bring up that which I could. Now, if I've done that properly, then I should be able to say, though I cannot do it perfectly, what Paul says in Philippians 4, 
and verse 9. It says, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. I hope you see those things in me. Do I do them perfectly? No. I even hesitate to read that verse in that respect. I want to compare myself to Paul. Then we want to go on quickly. The last one is fellowship. How do we learn about him through fellowship? Me with him, yes, but with each other. We compare notes. When you sit around and you talk, you know, that's how you really begin to confirm what you believe when we have fellowship together. And we're at someone's home or, or we're having a church fellowship, wherever the case might be, and you sit around and talk about the things of the scripture. Someone brings up a question. You begin to believe. You begin to solidify what you believe. And you begin through learning from the experience of others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I go to conferences, preachers sit around and do this. I am not well enough anymore. I have to go to bed at midnight or so. I can't step all night and then go to bed for an hour or two and then get up and preach and go through that conference all day long. They're too tiring anymore, but I've done that in the past. But that's where preachers begin to learn about, well, you know, here's what the Lord did with me one time. You begin to learn by experience. And you learn as you pray and you learn together. You know, it's just like the message I'm preaching as we come to a close here. Everyone hears the words that I'm saying, but if I could see inside your minds, everyone will only glean parts of this message that God has for you. You may give the entire message. But we could ask what was preached or taught, and depending upon your spiritual level or what the Lord wants you to see and hear, there would be a different emphasis for some of you than there would for others. So the Lord spoke to me concerning this. Someone else say, yes, the Lord spoke to me concerning this, and so on. So we receive that God's Spirit gives to us. So I want to say this to you as we close. Learn of me, he says. That's one of the important things that we need. It's an absolute necessity to better and more effective prayer life. We need to seek him. We need to ask him these things. And then, Psalm 119 and verse 73, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Let us be our attitude as we close this morning. We need all of those things. So now we've looked at, come unto me, learn of me. There are two more. Follow me and abide in me. And we'll have a great grasp when we're finished, I hope, in prayer. Father, we commit these thoughts into your hands this morning. Lord, we realize that we are weak and feeble, frail children of dust. We can do nothing without me. Thou art the vine, we're the branches. We ask that you would do through us according to your will. Bless to our hearts these things that you would have us to know. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.